0: Hello, and welcome to our latest CIPR Engage podcast, where we're looking at future ways of working. Now, the pandemic has provided an opportunity to explore how we can work differently in a post-COVID world. It's a very different landscape for a lot of businesses, with many proposing to adopt a hybrid working model as opposed to going back to the office full time. And in this episode we'll explore the opportunities and benefits for pr and comms practitioners of implementing a flexible hybrid working approach and we'll look at what to consider including the technology ways of working patterns the rhythm of the organization and how it all links together and joining us we've got sophia Kahn, head of marketing and comms for square chapel arts center in halifax and the old courts in wigan martin Flegg. Chair of Inside CIPR Committee, Kate Shaw, who's Senior Internal Comms Manager for Nationwide Building Society, and up first, our host, Jenny Field, Vice President of the CIPR and author.
1: Hybrid working is a term that has been used a lot in recent months, and I'm really excited to have a bit of a conversation about whether it's a red herring, whether it's something that's here for the long term, or whether It's quite simply something that's absolute nonsense and we don't need to worry about it at all. And I know that I'm joined here with other experts in communications to have the discussion. But following a recent post that I did on Influence magazine, I talked about the fact that I do think it is a complete red herring. um, Because I think that hybrid working, working flexibly, has been something from a location perspective we've been doing for a really long time. What I don't think we're very good at is looking at work and home life as one and exploring the larger societal shift that I think needs to come from the post-pandemic or post-lockdown world. That, for me, is what hybrid working is truly about, that true flexibility that's needed in the workplace. So I'd love to get some opinions from my guests and co-hosts or co-panelists, whatever we want to call each other today, Um, and just going to take on what you think is... I guess, or how you would define hybrid working. And I'm going to come to Martin first.
2: Hi, everybody. Um, Thanks for that, Jenny. Um, What is hybrid working? And that's a (laughs) question and a half. Um, I think it depends on the context, to be honest, because I think if if you listen to some of the narrative, if you read some of the stuff that's being published, I think the words office and office worker loom large in the discourse at the moment. And, you know, there are some jobs that just can't be done remotely, however much people that do them would like them to be uh, done in that way. So I think the context is, is all. Um, I think we need to be mindful of, of who we're talking about um, when we talk about hybrid working, um, so just so that we get the, get the context right and the understanding of that situation right.
3: Fair. Sophia? Yeah, I agree to some extent with that. I think we've got to be sensitive on who we're saying it to, because I know I've got caught up in that where I'm talking about, yeah, you know, working remotely or working hot desking, all that sort of stuff. And then you you get a glimpse of someone and you think, oh, yeah, you can't actually do that with your role. So, um, yeah, we've got to be mindful. And sometimes I feel like I catch myself, like, I think I know the meaning of it. And then it changes with conversations, so I've got to keep reminding myself because there's the whole hybrid and then flexible working and off-site working. So there's just lots of terms, isn't there, that you've got to get used to and work out
1: what it means. Yeah, nothing like us good cons and PR folk coming up with terms that you know have different meanings to different people at all times. It's, it's wonderful. Kate,
4: what about you? That's exactly what I was going to say is it's like another buzzword bingo, isn't it? So we we can tick it off the list. We've hit it already today. I think I have similar views to all of those. I think there is a massive thing about flexibility and choice. There are populations of people who have proved different ways of working for, you know, 20, 30 years. It's, it's not new. What I think is new is I completely agree around people understanding the balance between work and home, and all of the various different things that you have to confront in that and juggle and balance. And that's not just for parents, it's not just for carers, it's for different kinds of people for different kinds of reasons. So I don't think there's a clear definition of it. And I think that is half the battle.
1: I'm wondering also, as you're talking about that, that different workers not being able to work in kind of a hybrid world and that divide that was talked about quite a lot during lockdown in the UK around the fact that you had knowledge workers working at home and then frontline workers still working on the front line in whatever capacity that might be, whether it's working in a bank, doing bin collection, working in the NHS, and this kind of divide that was coming through organisations because of people misunderstanding or trying to do comparison, which is the thief of joy. But that feels like that might continue based on what you're just talking about there, that this hybrid world that's applicable to some but not others is possibly going to cause huge divide inside organisations. Anyone want to wade in on that thought?
4: I'm happy to wade in because, I, you know, I work for an organisation that does have frontline workers. So we have branches on, on the high street, and we have people in, in our offices and, and at home. I think you're absolutely right. I think we are in a culture which is which the, the media is aiming to separate people. It's not doing anything to join the country together. It's, it's aiming to create division and, and divide and pit people against each other. So I think if we're not careful, that is only going to get worse through this. Um, What I would like to see more of is how you encourage those frontline workers and hybrid workers to be, part of the same organisation so we are all aligned behind a common purpose you will just do it in different ways and you'll have different roles to play and there will be elements of different kinds of ways of working of which location is just one part and it's the part that people seem to be obsessed with that will apply to everyone so our frontline workers will be able to do different roles so there could be an element of flexibility within their role I could go and work in a branch and it might connect me even more to our members and and our organisation so I think it's about not creating those divides and looking for how you can make things work and starting from a positive way of thinking rather than focusing on the divide. If we can do more to join people together, that is always going to be a winner. And you talked then about um, kind of different locations and working in different locations,
1: bringing you closer to the front line. Is that something that you're you're looking at as an organisation that you could go and work in a branch rather than a central office location?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, looking at how we make the most of our branch network, which is spread across the country, on high streets, which are in trouble. So how can we help provide more to our local community is a big part of our ethos as an organisation. So it's not about staying at home, there could be opportunities all over the place. I think you have to balance that with not everyone's home environment is, is supportive to working in this way. And there will be just as many people who've struggled as there are who have found it fantastic. So if you can provide a different way of working and, and branches could be a fantastic opportunity for us we are in the in the communities all over the UK so yeah we definitely want to look at how we can make the most of them
1: and if we think about that that shift of the the office location the branches all those things there's been a lot of chat about hybrid and also the demise of the office as a location and that people are saying the offices are no longer needed I have yet to see this in practice I don't know anyone who has said their office has completely closed, shut down, doesn't exist anymore. I don't know anyone, and obviously I don't know everyone in the world, but I'm wondering if you guys know anyone whose office has genuinely totally completely closed and it's now a a whole mishmash of work that's going to be home coffee shops and other stuff.
3: I'm in a weird situation because I'm in the arts, so that just closed, that the arts just went dark. So I suppose... Um, because when I catch myself talking about this subject and and my opinion on it right now, I know in six months, 12 months, it'll probably change. But I'm seeing it as, you know, I loved getting up, going to I was a bit of a geek. I would get up, go to work. I'd be the first one there. <laughs> People thought I didn't have a life. I was a workaholic and I never thought I would change. I was proud of the fact that I was a workaholic. I wasn't ashamed of it. And when theatres went dark um, and the arts, everybody either was on furlough or if you were back, you were working remotely. And I panicked and thought, how can we do this? How can I do this? And for me, and I know colleagues in in the same boat, it's probably been the best thing. So I spend that time that I would have travelled to work doing the workouts that I say, I don't have time for this, you know, which then in turn makes me feel great. So I'm set up for the day, I do, I do need to put a little diary alert to say clock off. You know, you've got to switch off because, again, I don't have children. I don't have those distractions, which I know friends have said, you know, I have to clock off at school collection time and things like that. I don't, so I work through and then at the end of the day I go for a swim and I feel like this life, like where did it come from? I love it. So, um, But that is probably because we don't have the office space. Nobody's going into that building is that going to change in a few months time when theatres can open and you'll have the the buzz of people around? And again, like what you were saying, Kate, there are opportunities that I, when, when you were saying that, I thought, well, yeah, you know, I miss that being around people, having those conversations and then opportunities arise and programming ideas, marketing ideas. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think down the line, I think that's what it's going to be like. Especially in my industry, we're just going to keep going. It's great now, and then in a few months, like I need to be around you to have the ideas and and things like that. So let's get back in the office. But right now, we have we're not in an office. I can't remember the last time I was in an office over a year ago.
2: It's interesting. You know, you say what's going to happen when when the breaks come off, and in the UK, we're kind of standing on the cusp of this now, and there's talk of in middle of June that everything, all the social distancing stops in, and, and then. You know, we're free again
1: <laughs> we're free and we can touch people it's exactly. very exciting hope, <laughs> and, you know,
2: we can have a hug we can finally have a hug jenny you know and it's we
1: can and
2: it's um but it's you know for centuries people have worked in locations and their work has been centered around locations regardless of whether they actually need to be there or not work has been a physical place and You know, back into the 20th century, early 21st century, that was kind of being swept away in some ways because of technology and the, the ability to work kind of anywhere really, but old habits die hard, I think. And I, I just wonder how many people are going to go back to the old ways doing things, you know, either individually or collectively or as organizations, because that was there for so long. It's been taken away for about a year. But is the temptation to go back to the old ways just just too great?
4: And that's where you need some concrete decisions around things like workplace and, and buildings. So you're right, Jenny, I've not seen any organisations that have just said, right, that's it. We're never reopening the doors again. Lock them up. You know, most organisations are making small changes. So there are definitely places who've said, and in, including us, where we are not reopening some of our buildings in Swindon, you are going to have to make those decisions in order to force the longer-term behaviour change that you want to see. But you're, you're right, Martin, you, you could see people drift because it's it's the way it used to be or presenteeism starts coming back and, you know, all oh, my managers in that day, do you think I should pop in just so I can be visible? And say it might require some agitators and some people who not make life difficult, but do what they can to prove these new ways, I say new, they're not new, um, that these ways of working can actually... Sustain us in the long term, but also remembering that, that not everyone can work from home, and uh, so we will always um, provide a desk for those who need it. It's one of the commitments that we've made as an organisation. So, if you think of people in, in unsafe home environments or flat shares, those people, particularly in some of the cities where you've got younger populations like London, etc., where you might be six people in a flat share. Four people around a kitchen table, or you're on the end of your bed. That's that's not a nice way to work. So actually, in order, they need a space to go to. So we, we've committed to doing that, and and our we were investing in our offices before this happened. We opened a new one last August. Not a lot of people have been to it yet. So and that was around a future way of working that is coming true through all of the stuff that we're now seeing. So actually, put, puts us in a great place, and we're quite excited.
2: <laughs> and that and that's a really important point, I think. Kate, is is if you want change to happen then you have to engineer the environment to make, to make that, to facilitate it so that it can happen. And if there aren't those firm decisions in organizations now about what the future looks like and how people are going to work. And this is just isn't about, you know, putting in place, well, you know, you can have 20 people in the office at any one time, there's policies, there's process, there's legal stuff, you know, all that stuff's got to be put in place to actually make hybrid working really fly. And if people are kind of sat on the fence at the moment, kind of thinking, well, let's just see what happens what will happen is you'll go back to the old way of doing things because that's what people are familiar with and the presenteeism thing will come back and all those old bad habits and we'll be back where we were you know 18 months ago so yeah it's a really important point that decisions have to be made uh, around the environment and creating the right environment so that people can work in that new way.
1: I, I want to ask a question about the the media because. Kate, you said early on about the media, you know, being a bit divisive, um, a bit. and I read a <laughs> I read a great book last year called The Science of Fear by Dan Gardner, which I've talked about a lot, and it talks about uh, media and and fear in that as well. And then, as Martin, you were talking about how people will just go back and revert to type. I was then got me thinking about, you know, do I want to be in someone's armpit on a train again in terms of the fear. <laughs> both the unpleasantness of being in an armpit, but also the closeness of being next to someone. I'm not sure that that's something we would go back to. So I'm just thinking about all those different things that are going on for people of the media messages that we're getting, you know, the fact that my home environment might not be the most conducive or the safest for me to work in, so that needs to go into the office. And all of those things that are just bubbling around. But the fear piece, I think, is something that's going to take us quite a long time to overcome. I mean, I still remember even last April when we'd it, we'd been in very severe lockdown in the UK for about four weeks, going to drop a present off to my brother-in-law, and other people arrived in the garden, and I was like, freaking out about the fact. No, <laughs> we were in a garden. There were two other people in a garden, and it had been four weeks. And I think God, it's been fifteen months now, and that conditioning of fear, I think, is there, and I wonder what role that's going to play in terms of the hybrid working and the changes and helping people overcome that and whether organisations have a role to help overcome the fear without that feeling like you're forcing people into an office. I've got so many questions and thoughts based on what you've all said. So with all that rambling, I don't know if anyone's got any equal rambling thoughts in their head based on all of that.
4: (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I I think this is is quite real for me because we've literally had a conversation over the last couple of days around this. I think um if you as you go through the pandemic our role as an organization has been to keep people safe and help people with their well-being and support and all of that stuff around it so i don't think that goes away ever so uh, we're going to have to do that mental health etc is all a massive concern as we go forward teams fatigue blah 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 we know, we know all of that but in even in my own team we had quite a personal conversation this week around a team away day in july and we had assumed it would be face to face And in London. So I don't live in London. I live uh, 100 miles west uh, in in Cheltenham. And I I don't, I haven't seen a lot of people. So I don't have kids. I'm not socializing in terms of getting kids back into school, etc. So actually, when they said London, I had an immediate reaction, which was to get massively emotional and go, I can't do it. I, I just can't do it because I didn't like the tube before, if I'm being perfectly honest. The idea of my face in an armpit is absolutely <laughs> one. I, and As a short person, it's very real. Mm, it is. <laughs> so I don't want to go back to that. And I'm quite claustrophobic and don't like crowds. So I'm a joy to be around. <laughs> um, but I actually, like, it was, I didn't know I felt like that until it hit me in that moment. And as a team, we went, whoa, we've just made a massive assumption around getting together in that way. And now we just need to go back around and check everyone's okay. And actually I'll go in, I'll drive probably to central London rather than go on the train and on the tube. And and I think multiply that on a massive scale for an organization, you will have people at completely different ends of the spectrum. So those who have been on the front line the whole way through and have been putting their lives on the line to go into public facing environments and look after people. And then you've got people who have worked from home, like myself, have been in this box for 15 months, went had my hair done the other day, and that was quite overwhelming because of the noise and all of that sort of stuff. So if you then like the idea of going into my old office, which had three thousand people in it, makes me nervous. Although my step count would go up because, <laughs> blimey, <laughs> it, it, I, I do miss the exercise. So actually, if you if you, the the multiple needs that people will have, you aren't going to be able to please everybody. But what can we do to look after the people who are unsure, anxious, and? Almost have that leadership steer that is you don't force people to do something that they're uncomfortable with. It's going to take time to come out of this situation. Working from home was almost overnight, barring the you know technical logistics etc. But actually going back will, will be really really hard, and we need to really help people through that. And an organisation and a, and communicators etc. have have huge roles to play in that. I agree. I went through something similar where so I
3: suffer with OCD, and I thought being Coop up at home was gonna just be the end of me and the worry for me was I mean there's a meeting put in for not it's for an hour and it's not for a few months but that's all I'm thinking about now and I didn't realize I thought yeah an hour be fine um people that I know you know some new people that sort of stuff and that's all I think about at the moment about you know getting there is it is it all covid safe is it all the things that I suppose when you have OCD you think about this stuff anyway like sanitizer it's been a bit of heaven for me really I'm making light of it but it's how I feel I feel normal because everybody's using sanitizer everybody's (laughs) got wet wipes and it's like I blend in now this is fantastic (laughs) so the thought of going back to normal which was you know you just go around shaking hands and things like that it fills me with dread I want everyone to sanitize. I went to the gym and it was my happy place because, you know, you think back, nobody used to clean the equipment before and after use. And now that's what you do. And it's like, why were, why were you not doing yes. this before? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Somebody else's sweat. So for me, it's that sort of thing that I'm thinking about. But on, on the other side as well, in the workplaces where you do pick up on other people's anxiety and you know check in are you all right and you can't do that by zoom and so, so that's alarming you know where how are we looking after each other like we once did in the office
2: i think um you know i've discovered things about myself in this pandemic that i probably otherwise wouldn't have done i always felt that i was a an introverted loner who didn't need other people you know didn't didn't care if i didn't see anybody ever it's not true you know and you know if I was invited to Kate's meeting in London, I'd be off there like a shop on the tube and everything <laughs> in people's armpits. And, and every, I know,
1: nestling, I, you'd be
2: nestling in that armpit. I'd be, I'd be absolutely there. But I, I just, I think, you know, it, maybe maybe my level of confidence is higher now because, you know, you know, looking at you three, I'm obviously significantly older than you and I've had both my jabs and that's, that makes me feel much more confident you know i mean at the start of this pandemic you know going to the supermarket was a terrifying experience literally you know you just you would want to be in and out of there in like 10 minutes if you could be. now i'm kind of there you know sauntering around the aisles you know comparing the different pastures and all that sort of thing because you know i've had my jabs so i've got the confidence now and i think that you know the, the point i'm making is is that everybody's as we said is at different points in their journey of going back to the normal and there's all sorts of different influence on pe- influences on how influences and how people feel about that. Kate's absolutely right in the in the in the workplace environment and from a communications point of view and a leadership point of view, we've got to be sensitive to that. Getting people over the threshold back into back into this new way of working is going to possibly be the biggest challenge. Actually, out of all of this, the actual hybrid working bit that comes work- later on is actually possibly easier. But actually getting people over the threshold into that new world is the, is, the, is the trickier bit. And it won't happen as quickly as it did at the beginning of the pandemic where we were all booted out of offices overnight and just had to make the best of it. So this could take months, take years.
1: Mm. And I, I wonder in that journey of that months, years, and I think I think you're spot on in terms of you know that immediacy with which we were at home versus what's going to happen now in terms of that, that time that, that it will take, But I also wonder whether there's a realisation of how long that's going to take. I kind of feel as we've been talking that everyone thinks, right, well, we're going to hybrid working now. So as of next week, you're in category one, you're in category two, (laughs) and you're in category three, and and everyone's going to be marvellous. I'm not sure we've identified the fact that this is, you know, a much bigger change. And and as we're talking, I'm interested in how we talk about culture change in a a pre-COVID world. As communicators, we would talk about culture change for organisations and how that's probably a three, five-year transformation. I'm not sure we're looking at hybrid working because we've created a buzzword around it. I'm not sure we're looking at that as culture change, which is essentially what it is. It's a significant shift in the culture of the organisation that is probably going to take three to five years and it's not going to happen overnight. But I'm just not sure we're giving ourselves leadership, comms functions, everything that time maybe to to work through that shift because of the individual nature of how everyone's feeling which you've all talked about
2: and how long does it how does it take to change a culture you know it's not you know, we've all sat in meetings as communicators we? Some, and someone some bright spark says oh we need to change the culture around here <laughs> like it's something that's going to happen like now by next week just it make a video isn't, you know
4: just <laughs> yeah. yeah. do a video yeah in fact know.
1: make it an animation video and then you'll really nail it <laughs>
2: Oh, let's have a couple of posters. You know that'll change the culture around here, won't it? But it's, you know, it's it's not. And there's something. There's something here about about you know, as we said earlier, about planning and intent, and you don't change a culture by accident. You change it by design. Um, and there's so many different elements to that that um, you know we need to be thinking about. It's all right. It's all right having new processes, new rules. It's all th- th- those things are they're important. But actually, if the culture doesn't support hybrid working and, you know, we've all worked for managers in the past, perhaps where there's been a bit, been a degree of, you know, having to be in line of sight and they've they've had a lack of confidence about, you know, about their ability, maybe in terms of, in terms of managing people who they can't see all the time, you know, that's culture. How do you move those managers out of that, that culture of surveillance and presenteeism into something that is much, much, much looser and freer and more facilitative it's it's that doesn't happen overnight and it's not just training it's actually it's actually a mindset
1: yeah i mean it's it's a significant shift and and we talked earlier about things being quite deliberate to create that and i'm i'm still furiously highlighting um the fearless organization by amy edmondson um and she talks in there giving examples of organizations where there are real examples of how you can put things deliberately in place to create psychologically safe environments. And it's a really great book in that regard because of the practical stuff that you can take from it. I'm just not sure I've heard many conversations about what is going to change about how we work as a result of hybrid working, which I'm now putting in air quotes for people listening. <laughs> um, because I haven't. I, I I don't know about you. I've, I've heard mainly conversations about... The categories that people are going to be put in and you know the technology being in place which I've talked about you know that technology has to catch up with that flexibility but I haven't heard very much around that processes and the ways of working that are going to shift as a result I don't know you know whether you guys are seeing that in your organizations or if you've heard stuff and I just haven't seen it which is obviously possible
4: I mean we've got uh, some some elements of looking at that I think. I think you're right it's it's very much the e- I was going to say the easy stuff it's not easy but it's talking about buildings and it's talking about Teams yeah. and Zoom and all of that sort of stuff which is just part of it the biggest thing that's come through from our organisation when we researched with all our employees was what is the purpose of, of our workplace, actually. So social contact was number one, but number two was coming together to solve a problem. And actually, that is one of the things we will see in the ways of working and, and um, some of the uh, tools and, and techniques that we will give people to help them do that. So we all know that whiteboarding and, and brainstorming and stuff is harder through a virtual medium but actually what if you are looking at the purpose of your meeting or your whatever it might be and looking at the goal you need to achieve then you kind of go through what, and what do we need to achieve that and oh actually we need to be together we need to be face to face and we need to work it through no one leaves the room until the problem's solved I think we can all remember those days of being marched into rooms and solve the problem now But hopefully it's done with a bit more flexibility in mind and and kind of having learnt so much about people and their lives and you know they've got a school run or you know they care for their mum, et cetera, because you've seen them in the background. Actually, it just brings us to life more as people. And actually that should help us get better solutions because we're working better with each other and and understanding each other we we've got a large focus on on ways of working as an organization very much focused on our member needs and not not focusing on what a team needs or what a manager needs but what our members need as a a, from us as an organization because we are member owned not not shareholder owned and that provides a different kind of lens because you are working for like Bob, the one who visits the branch in in Swindon all the time. And so by keeping that in your perspective and and focusing on the member needs, it helps you look end to end through the member journey and work out what is the right way to do something. I am hoping that we can see more people joining us from all over the the country. So we're already seeing much more uh, appetite for coming and working with our organisation because of our public commitments that we've made. That then helps us represent the communities that we serve in a much better way, be much more diverse, much more inclusive organisation, leading to different ways of working and tackling different problems and tackling different challenges. So different voices in the room, I think, will will just add so much power to what we're doing. But yeah, you're right. The, the kind of the difficult stuff we, we haven't touched yet. We're not seeing much on that. I think it's going to be a real challenge. <laughs> yeah, we'll just avoid that for a bit longer. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And when you think about the legal implications, you know, for example, um, you know, where legally your contract of employment says that your place of work is an office, is your place of work now going to be your home legally? Because actually, that has all sorts of ramifications, things like expenses and being able to claim money for travelling to different places and that sort of thing. It also brings into into place, you know, with sort of insurance and that sort of thing, which. You know, employers are going to have to bear the cost of that sort of thing as well. So there's, there's all this really crunchy stuff that organisations are going to have to work through. So the, the stuff that we've been talking about is really the soft stuff. You know, what's an office for? Uh, how do we make things inclusive? You know, that's all the, that's all the, 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 the soft HR stuff in some ways. But actually, there's a whole bunch of hard stuff that nobody's going near at the moment. And I'm not seeing a lot of a lot of solutions being suggested as to how those things would work in the future.
3: That's everything that we're looking at at the moment. So because we're two sites across different boroughs um, who only recently merged... So there was always going to be an element of people working across sites. How is that going to work? We're not sat in, we wouldn't have been sat in the same building all the time like we were before. Um, so for us, it feels like, definitely for me, it feels like it was the right time all of this happened because we would have been looking at this down the line when we did have our audiences back. But we've got this window of, of opportunity now where audiences aren't back yet. There probably won't be for um I know some art places are opening in the summer some won't be until September that's us which means we've got this fantastic opportunity now to look at all of this and we have started like you said with the the soft stuff the easier things like the building so you know we had this huge office um quite well kitted out and everybody had their you know because it's your space you end up with all your knickknacks don't you with all you know pictures and postcards and all sorts and um all of that's gone there's gonna it's it's um I'm quite excited about this we're gonna have a bank of standing desks but you can't you will still have the stools that you know you can sit on so you so you've got that um option but just so you know that you're gonna be working and I've worked at the standing desk and and it is lovely because I just feel like I work smarter you're moving around you're getting your steps in that sort of thing so we're looking at things like that we're also looking at Um, lots of systems that I've never used before which I love so I use something called you probably know it monday.com and there's similar ones out there where all the team input we put our actions and things like that all the deadlines uh, when we need things off each other with little action buttons I don't know if that's because of my OCD I love it and I'm obsessed with it and I just thought you know how did I not learn about this stuff so in lockdown and Working remotely, I've learned about so many different systems and processes. And and I've at first I thought this is never gonna work. You know, we need to be face to face. And there still is an element of I know I miss out on things where you overhear a conversation and you think, I've been looking for that answer, and you know, you just answered it, or you need a quick fire. What's happening here? Who's done that? So you do miss out on that. So I think, you know, there will be a bit of wasted time, but I will then say things like zoom meetings and and things like that I feel like you just get to the point especially if you're cheap like me and you're using the free version you you don't have time to go on for you know (laughs) I remember meetings that you were sat in for like two hours and you just think did anybody take any notes did did anybody do anything you think that's what a waste of time so with with those meetings I just feel like we're to the point we get the answers you do the how are you but that was the bit that was the worry for me. You can say, how are you? And someone will say, absolutely fine. And then they'll probably come off there and they've been tears or stressed. And you don't know that. I think that's the really worrying part for me. Um The rest of it, I'm really loving and I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> and I hope we don't go fully back. And I don't know, that's just me thinking I'm going to miss out on my swims and my hit workouts.
1: Oh, but it's funny, isn't it? Because I think we we have got that sort of you know that extra journey now it's there's always I think every kind of three three to six months mainly three it feels like we have to relook at our routines again whether it's because we've got into a mundane rhythm we need some change up I know for me my husband has gone back to the office and it's so weird not him not being here and us now you know I'm not having to do lunch for both of us just doing my lunch and you know and and just we were kind of so as one and now we're we're not at all and he's at work and I have this real like oh I can't like just keep him up to date with what's happening in my day (laughs) become that annoying wife that's now just (laughs) texting him things no reason at all but it's that you know for us we've got one car so it's that shift again now of okay well how do we how do we work now you're at the office I'm not you need the car and all those logistical things that kind of come into play to, to shift and it's all just so individual isn't it so when we look at organizations that are doing these categorizing of people and And things like that you know how can that work and I've I've said a few times that I just think it's an oxymoron of terms you can't talk about having flexible working and then create really rigid processes around it because they are completely juxtaposed as concepts but I equally think you have to have you know parameters and we've talked a bit about those things and Jim Egan who I co-moderate a clubhouse room with talks about freedom within a framework which I love and I know it's from also from a book called The Trust Factor, which I've just finished. But this whole freedom within a framework is kind of where I'm edging to is that solution. And a friend of mine has been told that for her, her boss has basically said, we want you in the office more than you're at home. And that's kind of it. Like there's not anything around you have to be in five days a week. There's not anything about what days. You can discuss that with your team. And she's decided she's going to go in I think Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, because she likes a Monday because it kicks her off for the week. And, you know, it's that sort of switch up change from a weekend. No one wants to be in an office on a Friday. (laughs) Hasn't done for years. But I just quite liked the, the freedom that allowed you to have with just that simplicity. And I know that might sound too simple. They're a small business, but surely that's got to be better to have that freedom in a framework rather than these rigid policies of categories and stuff like that.
4: This is music to my ears.
3: <laughs> no, I, I love that as well, but I'm finding it really difficult because I've gone from an organisation where I had to put in a five-page proposal of why how it would work for me to work five days over four, which... Everybody I knew in any organization was doing that. And I thought, yeah, I'll do that. You know, I have five days off. Um, and I worked over anyway. I was always owed time back. So it's like, well, why why don't I do this? And I had to put in a proposal. Um and I finally got that. Whereas now we're going to this new way of working. And and I have been told by my line manager, as long as the work gets done, I don't mind where you are or or how you're doing it. And stuff. So, so for me, that's quite difficult when I've worked by rules and regulations and things because I feel like when I get to my laptop and i plug plugged myself in and everything, and especially at the moment when, you know, I'm, I'm it's the month of fasting and I'm, I am keeping my fast. So I'm not having coffee breaks or lunch breaks. And so I'm sat at my laptop and I do not move. And she'll call and say, you know, how are you getting on? I'm like, yeah, fine. And she's like, are you sat at your laptop again? I said, well, yeah. And she's like, go for a walk, go for a run. I'm like, Really? And, and I don't know, I don't know if it's that over-policing of yourself. Do you fall into those, which camp are you in? Do you kind of go, mm. yeah, I'll put the washing on and watch a bit of telly and then I'll do my work? Or do you go, I'm going to sit here in case someone calls me and I'm here. And it, it's hard to get your head around.
4: Mm. We, we've got a, a concept called um, accountable freedom within our organisation, which is exactly the freedom within a frame. So you know what you are accountable for and you have the freedom to deliver it in the way that you see fit for the best outcome. So um, that, that has existed for a couple of years now. It's definitely about empowerment and encouraging people to make their own choices. And so when we went into our piece of research around the future of work, we definitely looked at flexibility and choice as our working hypothesis and, and just wanted to back that up with the data from our people. I think when we then come through that and made our commitment around we're telling people they can work anywhere – as long as they're led by the work. So that that's our kind of number one commitment. Because we think people, you, you're right, Jenny, that bit around you have to be in the office two days a week is suddenly not very flexible. <laughs> it doesn't give you a lot of choice. Mm. Um, so we know it will require more management. So our buildings will have a finite capacity. So you are going to have to have systems to book a desk or whatever it might be. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in an office. So I might decide to go for a walk with a colleague because they live around the corner from me. We're not going to drive 45 miles to Swindon to do that. Actually, they live around the corner. Um, it might be less binary than that. So it's not about home versus the office. It might be around, well, my computer, the technology's not working today, so I've got to get in the car and drive to a branch to connect to the LAN cable. Or it might be, I've got builders in, so I need to go in for a couple of days just to get away from the noise. Or it might be to escape from the children. I might go in because the home's too loud. Whatever it might be, It's about respect for each other's choices. So that's the other big thing around division and, you know, creating divides between people. If someone wants to be in an office five days a week, fine. Someone wants to be at home five days a week, fine. As long as the work is getting done and as long as people are delivering the right outcomes for members, then they should have the power to be able to choose that. It is probably quite clear that those people that you're worried about not delivering were probably not delivering when they were in the office. Yeah, You know, it's quite a basic statement, but they were probably on their phone playing on Facebook in the office. <laughs> so the fact that you can't see them doesn't mean the behavior is any different. You've got to find ways to performance manage and talk to people and all of that sort of good stuff that comes with it. But the the, the freedom and, and flexibility and choice is, is absolutely key. And quite exciting and causes quite a reaction. So, um, I don't think anyone expected the media coverage we saw off the back of our Work Anywhere announcement. I think we were on the Today programme through to Radio One, through to the six o'clock news. We were absolutely delighted and we knew we had to be a bit bolder than maybe Nationwide has been in the past. So, that was quite exciting for us. Mm.
2: And it's, it, you know, you're, you're all sort of describing your own circumstances. And this is why what I said at the beginning of, the, of, this, of this show is, is really important. It's about context. About context and the permission that you're given to be able to do those things. And you know, early on the early on in the pandemic, something that really interested me was the the rise in the use of surveillance software in some organizations. There was an exponential, particularly in the United States, there was an exponential rise in the, the use of employee surveillance software. Um, those sorts of organizations are not going to give you the sort of permission and choice and the freedom that you just described there. So you know, hybrid working will not be equal for everybody. Uh, it will very much depend on where you work. I mean, there's quite a few things on social media at the moment about, um, you know, some commentary around, you know, if employers don't offer offer hybrid working in the way that people want it, then they will actually move jobs. They will leave and they will go work somewhere else. I think that's probably true.
4: Yep, and I think there is, is for the other extreme as well. So if you consider graduates who may be wanting in-office presence, Um, you may be seeing reports of graduates saying, well, I'm going to work for an employer that will allow us to be in the office and encourage us to be in the office or make us be in the office. Because I think that is a gap and one that needs to be thought through by all organisations is how you are on board early career people, whether that's grads or non-grads, but that emerging talent where they've never worked in an office. um, I mean, I'm a big believer in that they've probably spent the last year learning different skills but it is up to an organisation to help them learn networking and relationships and all of that sort of stuff. It's about finding new ways to do things, not just going, well, the old way was the way we did it before, so let's go back to that. I think if you, it, graduates would have located to where the head office is of an organisation, whether that's London or Swindon or wherever it might be, actually that might have meant moving away from their friends, moving away from their family, if they'd had an option to do that differently, they might have done. And so it's I think if we can collectively look at new ways of doing things for different kind of career groups or different kind of employees then I think we can give people more choice and more options and that's what this all comes back to.
1: And I've got one one sort of final question just thinking about the, the
4: audience of, of
1: the podcast being you know predominantly CIPR members and working in PR and communications where your your time is not always your own and you have to be on call on a on a you know regularly outside of hours now for internal communicators sometimes that's less so i've managed a crisis line in a 24/7 business that doesn't make any difference you're still on call i've had to answer phones from um the evening standard when i've been an on call press officer on a friday night in a bar so there's something about the work that we do that i think makes it incredibly difficult to to not be kind of on call or feel like you're on call. So how do we get that balance for people working in PR and comms of this this hybrid space where there are boundaries? And I will could get on a soapbox about boundaries, but I won't. But it I think in our industry it's particularly challenging. I just wonder your thoughts on that. Um well Jenny's last podcast,
3: one of your last podcasts for me, did it with the boundaries because um like I said at the start, I I was a workaholic. I, I I think I thrived on that you know I'm going to be on call and it felt great and but there's a shelf life for it as well and and you're right it does there's, you know I could be out with friends and they'd go who you know who's calling you and you'd go oh it's a press you know and I've just got to deal with this and anything. really like I'm, I'm I'm not doing brain surgery or anything like that <laughs> so for me d- during lockdown and I remember listening to that because I, I I thought I need to put some boundaries in how I'm going to do it and I heard your podcast um and I said right I'm going to do it because i was i was doing an example that you'd said in there which was when you're out of office on your out of office is on so leave it and i thought if i can't master this during lockdown i never will and i did so if my out of office is on i come away from it the app is off my phone i don't look at it and honestly i can say that i've learned so much through lockdown personally and with work and i i hope this lasts for longer and it's not going to be 6 months and we go back into it because i don't check my work emails out of hours. um They know that if they co- if they need me, it has to be an emergency, and then I know I must take it. But yeah. I don't I don't get that anymore. I don't have to check things like that because, and and that rule still stands from from my boss, which is if the work's getting done, you go and have a life. And it's like, what am I allowed? So <laughs> so yeah, the the boundaries putting those in place and sticking to them.
2: I think some people, some people that I know that work work in PR and comms have actually never. Ever left an office? You know they've worked through in an office all the way through, through lockdown. um You know they've been there because because leadership, senior stakeholders have required them to be there. Have required them to be physically present so that they're you know immediately to hand um, if needed crisis or no crisis. But it's um, you know what does that what does that say about about you know us complying with that? There's that feeling that we need to do that, um, that that we can't be somewhere remote and do the same sort of job. But it's also it's also about educating your stakeholders. I think about you know how you know don't need me in your line of sight physically for us to be able to get stuff done. You know even if it is an emergency. So in some ways we're at fault ourselves because of the way that we we behave and we 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 act and everything. But actually. It's about the demands that are placed on us by others, and actually educating them that you know, lots of lots of people have have solved crises in this in recent months in a remote fashion. You know, why can't we? So mm. um, about educating your stakeholders as well. I think.
4: I think if there was ever a year to prove the value of what we do, it's been the last year. And uh, if I think back to March last year, we did a two day test to see if everyone can work from home, and never went back. And uh, we did we did switch immediately. We were going to do an A team and a B team in in our communications function, and we were going to have half in, half out, and we would swap over to give people a break. Uh, that lasted one day, and then the team A, who were in the office, we were just like, no, we'll just we'll all be at home. And there is there, there's probably a mix here in terms of boundaries for me because one is you need the processes and you need the stuff that supports your people to be able to do it. So you need rotors, you need. If you've got an on-call person, they know what's expected of them that week and they are rightly compensated as a result. Um, but you also need self-discipline. <laughs> so um, I am rubbish at this and, and if any of my colleagues are listening, they'll be laughing um, because I will check. What I don't do is I don't reply so I will look at my phone out of hours and I might do a little bit of work, but I don't email my team. I try really hard not to. And I try really hard not to reply because all that encourages is people know you're always on. So actually it is a bit of self-discipline. It's, it needs a bit of confidence to do it because you are sitting there going, oh have got this email over there from someone. And you, you kind of pick and choose. So if, if you get an email from the CEO, chances are you're probably going to reply. Um, but I think if we've learned anything over the last year, it is A, the importance of well-being and mental and physical, all of the all of the good stuff that comes with that. You can't be always on. It, most comms people I know would work all day, then watch the coronavirus briefings at 5pm in the UK, and that would then mean hours of work in the evening, ready to tell the organisation what it meant for them at 7 o'clock the following morning. We had a massive team helping us do that. And so you stand up the people around you in a crisis, you make it work. well. If wellbeing is a focus, you will do it in the right way. And boundaries, I think, are really hard in a comms function because of that always on. But if you are clear as a team with what you're trying to achieve and you've got the processes and and the support there, we are lucky we've got a fantastic leadership team who are really supportive of this and family comes first. We saw that when when some of our team had children at home because of homeschooling. We've had to learn to work in a different way. We've proved we can do it. We've got to stick to our guns now.
1: Oh, definitely. I think um, it's been a lovely conversation. Thank you so much for joining me to talk about such a topical topic of hybrid working. And I think we've covered so many elements of it around, you know, the fear, the media, the individual aspects, all of it. So um, just thank you very much, really. I think it's been great. And I hope it's, um, you know, interesting and sparks inspiration for people listening as well. So thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us for this latest episode of the CIPR Engage podcast. And don't forget to log your CPD points as this podcast is worth five. And while you're there, check out the range of training and learning available from the CIPR. We'll be back with another episode of Engage next quarter. Until then though, take care. However, whenever, and wherever you're working.